As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so I know it's been a while since we've checked in from The Athletic on the Colts beat. We're still going to call this the upper quartile. It's going to be a while before it gets switched over to the new and improved name and things like that. But we're here. You know, Zach Kiefer ditched me. He's gone. I'm James Boyd. <laughs> <for those listening. laughs> you that, ran him off. Exactly. Let's tell the truth. Exactly. And that laugh you hear is Bob Kravitz. And so he'll be my new co-host. He knows a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to the Colts. And Bob, we'll start with the biggest news, not only, I would say, on the Colts beat, but just this week in the NFL, the alleged gambling violation by Isaiah Rogers. What was your initial reaction to the news itself? And then obviously the stuff that will possibly come after it. Well, I think he's in big trouble. I mean, if you look at the previous violations of the gambling policy, guys have gotten six games for uh, betting on non-NFL action from the facility, and guys have gotten a year or more for betting on NFL games. And the idea is that Rodgers may have uh, bet on the Colts as well. Whether he bet them to win or lose is really immaterial at this point. He's going to get the book thrown at him. And, you know, uh, look, I'm pretty laissez-faire about these things. You know, gambling is not the worst thing you can do. But, you know, it comes down to the sanctity of the game and the sanctity of competition and making all fans understand that this is on the up and up. And if guys have action on games they're participating in, I think that's a real, real problem. And it's one the NFL is going to have to get its arms around. So, Bob, from my perspective, and I agree with what you said, to me, part of the issue is that the NFL is always going to be money first. And so they got into bed with all of these, you know, sports betting apps and you see all the ads. It's honestly, you can't do anything without seeing them. But like, as you stated, the only thing that matters more to the NFL than money is the integrity around the game, which drives the money. And so I want to just give my perspective on it from me, I was Twitterless 
got a new phone over the weekend. So I wasn't even on Twitter. I got locked out of my account. It's a long story. Had to reach out to our Twitter reps because I guess we're fancy enough to have those. And so I was not on Twitter when all of this kind of broke, you know, Monday night or Monday afternoon. And so when it did, shout out to Zach Kiefer, still giving me assists. He was texting me what was going on. Like, hey, here's this tweet, here's this tweet. And I think my initial reaction was, okay, how serious is this? Like, is this outlet legit? And I think it was. Obviously, they broke the story over at Sports Handle. And I thought they did a fantastic job of getting some details out there quick and fast. And then obviously the name came out a few hours later. And then Isaiah Rogers released that statement. And so I think the question I want to ask you is, if he is found to have done this, and the statement that he gave kind of suggests that he's, guilty of something yes and if he's done this could his career be over like have we seen the last of this guy not only in a Colts uniform but possibly in the NFL I think we've seen the last of him in a Colts uniform if you look at a lot of the other players now granted they were not big time players like Isaiah Rogers was poised to become but most of them got let go you know Jameson Williams still with the team some guys you know talent counts ultimately but I think he'll be back because, again, you know, you can be uh, Mussolini, and if you have a four four forty, they're going to find a place for you, man. So I think he'll be back in some capacity. I think he's a good player. But think about all that he's lost here. I mean, he's not only going to lose a year, but he's going to lose a year when he's in a, he's in a contract year right now. And he, he's in a position – as we say, get the bag. And uh, <laughs> it's funny coming out of my mouth, but he's got a chance to make himself and his family very uh, prosperous. And he threw that away for reasons that I, I have a hard time comprehending. And again, this is all alleged. We don't know for certain until the NFL comes out with a punishment or a adjudication a or something, yeah. a ruling. And so I think from his perspective, when I first came out, I was thinking to myself, okay, it was an unnamed player to begin with. And I was thinking to myself, you better hope if you're the player, you're a star. Because stars get second, third, fourth chances, as we've seen in, in many leagues for many years. Isaiah Rogers is not a star. And he was really, you know, you mentioned the contract year, which for listeners out there, if you haven't read it yet, it's backloaded. So he's, he was on a four-year deal, $3.4 million, and $2.7 million was due this season, and it's not guaranteed. So if the Colts decide to move on from him at some point, he's not going to get that money. So that's the bulk of his contract. And then secondly, he was in an optimal position to play. Absolutely. He a ton of snaps and have a huge opportunity because they didn't have a lot of cornerbacks. We knew coming into this season that after they traded Stephon Gilmore, the only cornerback on their team that started a full season was Kenny Moore. Got Dallas Flowers. Darrell Baker was actually the third starting cornerback during OTAs the other day. And so it feels like, for me, I'm not so sure that if this is the case, if they found out he bet on, you know, these games involving the Colts and things like that. And then just from ESPN's reporting, the amount of times he did it, you know, hundreds of bets, those types of things make it hard to point to it and say this is a mistake. You know, Jameson, you know, Williams, he basically said, oh, I didn't know the rule. And he didn't bet on NFL games. It was, you know, at the team facility, which is why he only got six games. And then even for Kelvin Ridley, it was more so of like, I didn't know 
or maybe I did know, but it was like, wasn't as egregious as doing this. And again, anytime we run into these problems now, it looks worse because according to the reports that we saw from Sports Handle, Isaiah Rogers allegedly bet on games in 2022, which, which was last season. And what makes it so bad to me is because Calvin Ridley was labeled going into 2022. So everyone knew what was at risk and, and, and how severely the NFL was going to come down on this. And again, Calvin Ridley was a, a really good player and he's still going to be a good player going forward. I just felt like with the opportunity he has, the money he hasn't made yet, it's a really big blow to him personally. But then to kind of flip it, what does this mean for the team, Bob? Like, do they have to, they're going to be young. They're going to be thin at that position. But do you think it benefits them to try to go out and get another veteran now? Or do they just stick with these young guys? I think they got to go out and get a veteran. You know, I mean, Ballard knows these guys better than I do. You know these guys better than I do. But are you comfortable with Dallas Flowers starting or playing significant number of snaps? I just wanted to double back real quick. I, I try to give these guys grace. I really, I really try to give guys, people in general, grace. I know that's hard to believe. You're doing what I do, but uh, he clearly knew what he was doing. You know, he he made these bets, hundreds of bets for small amounts. Apparently, first of all, he knew what he was doing because he went through a, an associate. He went through a friend, so he knew it was wrong. But if he's got a problem, that's one thing. But I, this is just irresponsible in my mind. You know, I mean, if a guy gets nailed for a DUI, you know, I like I understand, you know, some people have those problems and they need to get them addressed. I would bet my the bottom dollar that this is not an illness. This is not, you know, a gambling issue. He just did something really dumb and he's got to be better than that. I mean, NFL players, this is a, it's a right to play in this league, and there are certain rules you got to follow, and that's, that's a big one because we're talking about the integrity of competition. Yeah, so here's his statement that he put out on Monday evening. It says, addressing the current reports, I want to take full responsibility for my actions. I know I have made mistakes, and I am willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation. The last thing I ever wanted to do was to be a distraction to the Colts organization, my coaches, and my teammates I've let people down that I care about. I made an error in judgment and I'm going to work hard to make sure that these mistakes are rectified through this process. It's an honor to play in the NFL and I have never taken that lightly. I am very sorry for all of this. It's very good. It's just, I'm glad that he got out in front of it, sort of, kind of, and made a statement, but he's deep stuff, man. He, he just is. I am on the same page as you. I do think that the Colts need to go out and get a veteran not only to play, but just to help build the room. Because yes. the argument I hear, and, and I know fans will, will always say, oh, play the young guys, play the young guys. I think veterans really matter in professional sports because you need someone to show you how it's done. Even if they're not elite, if a guy has lasted five, six, seven years in the NFL, any position, they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? And it's the hardest league in the world to survive in, you know, at that level as far as football goes. And so – I think that they do need to explore some options. Now, you're not going to get a premium, you know, veteran cornerback, you know, and honestly, Stephon Gilmore's probably thinking, man, I'm glad I got out of the way there before I it did because at that point, maybe the Colts don't trade him, you know, if, if you think that Isaiah Rogers oh, yeah. is not going to be available. 
So I do think that a veteran needs to be brought in. I'll have to look and see who's even available. I know Kyle Fuller's out there, and I know a couple other names that were kind of floating around. But even then, I don't think you're going to get a, like, obviously like a, a number one corner, a lockdown guy this late in the free agency, this late in the offseason. But for a team that is trying to move in a new direction, obviously with Anthony Richardson at the helm, it still matters how you develop the rest of that young core as well. You know, given Julius Brents, I kind of expected him. He could be a day one starter. That's not surprising. The second round pick, Darius Rush, fifth round pick. He has a golden opportunity now to maybe fight for that other starting spot alongside Dallas Flowers and Darrell Baker and others. But it just seems like you need at least one more voice in that room because beyond Kenny Moore, the only other guys who are not rookies are guys who I believe are like second and third year fringe type of players. I mean, Tony Brown's still there, but Tony Brown's never really been a starting cornerback. And so it puts them in a bind. And it, I know, I know we asked Shane Steichen about this, or rather you asked a lot of questions about this. <laughs> and uh, you didn't get much, but, you know, from a coaching standpoint, do you blame him at all for not giving much on a topic that, Involves his team, but I guess in fairness to him, he wasn't even around to see or or know or even sniff or get wind of this happening because obviously he was not the coach until a few months ago. Right, right. I look at the Pacers and, and the role that like James Johnson played, or I look at George Hill when he came along. Those kinds of guys are so valuable. When you've got a room this young, this green, I just think it's imperative. And knowing Ballard, you know, having seen his work, I tend to think he's going to stand pat. I, I I don't know if he's going to go out and do it because he just doesn't. He doesn't make those aggressive sorts of moves. But this is a devastating blow for, for Steichen, for the Colts. Uh, I mean, look, I, I didn't think they're going to be any good next year anyway. But when you lose you know, your second best corner, that's a problem. And... I would like to see Ballard do something about that, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, so here are some of the names. You got Marcus Peters, you okay. got Eli Apple, Kyle yeah. Fuller, yeah. you know. And again, <laughs> I mean, at this stage... A lot of overpaid guys. Yeah, at this stage in the offseason, I mean, how many guys are you going to be able to bring in who have legitimate experience who, you know, again, might not be the greatest options, but can at least mentor that room. So that's something they have to weigh. You know, and then obviously that cost that comes at a price, which they have to weigh as well. I mean, I feel like it's a tough situation to be in as a franchise, as a player. And then I did find what EJ Speed and Colin Granson in particular told us yesterday. I found that pretty uh, impactful just from EJ. I mean, you were there. EJ was saying, I'm just not going to bet. I haven't bet before. I'm not going to bet on anything, you know, just to steer clear of this. I read your column, Bob. I'm sure our listeners, I would encourage you all to go check it out. But why do you think there is such a disconnect? It seems like in these recent years where it's just not clicking, even though they have the signs in the locker room, they have people to come talk to them every year. Why is it not getting through to certain players? I could understand it maybe better if it was an isolated incident with one player on one team. But as we've seen, and then there's still reports out there now that there's you know, a second wave of people that could possibly. So why do you think it's still so prevalent? Might not be the best word, but why is it still popping up? 
I don't think guys took it seriously. I think they look at the way the NFL has crawled into bed with uh, these gambling operations and figure, you know, I'm perfectly justified. If I want to gamble on a game, I can do it. Now, I mean, there are certain parts of the gambling policy that aren't a thousand percent clear, or I could see how guys would not understand completely what's going on. For example, the idea that you can bet on non-NFL action, but you can't do it while you're in the locker room or at the stadium or doing something, you know, league or team, you know, that's involved with the league or the team. So I can see that, but Man, it's just such a simple rule. Don't bet on NFL football anywhere. Not in the house, not with a mouse. It's, 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 you just can't do it. You know, uh, not to go all Dr. Seuss on you, but uh, I mean, it's really pretty dang simple. These are smart, smart men. And I don't know if they just didn't think the rules applied or if they say, well, this is hypocritical, you know, uh, you know, with the way that uh, teams are involved with, with gaming. You got, organizations, and I think the culture among them, that are building sports books in their stadiums. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I remember, and again, as you would like to remind me, I'm old as dirt. (laughs) But I remember back in the day when Jimmy the Greek started setting lines and going on CBS pregame show and making picks. And you would have thought that he had done the worst thing imaginable. I mean, there was outrage. I mean, the Bobby Knight line is he hated that newspapers put the betting lines in newspapers. He said, you're also going to put the number for prostitutes in there too, while you're at it. And there was this whole church and state separation that you had. You weren't allowed to go to Vegas for a tournament. There were no teams in Vegas except for UNLV and whatever. And now it's completely changed. I mean, we've had a complete sea change in the way we approach gambling. And, you know, I I think that the players understand that and they ask themselves, well, why can't I? Well, because you're employed by by a National Football League team and uh, there are certain rules that you just can't break. And that's one of them. Rules are rules. So not to... Stay on that topic too long. Obviously, it's a big thing that we'll continue to monitor as we get more information. Again, the team will not be saying anything. I believe we'll have to just wait until the NFL comes down, and then we can probably get more answers from the team itself. I mean, Shane Steichen wouldn't even say if he talked to Isaiah Rogers, and I'm like, okay, it is what it is. We just won't know. It's going to be a brutal year, Jim Boyd. <laughs> I mean, gonna... it'll be fine. I mean, I, hey, it is. what With coaches, I feel like they're all – Yeah, you, they are. If you talk a lot, if you don't talk a lot – it comes down to wins and losses, and it, and that usually is how people shape whatever you do. So, you know, the guys that don't talk and they win, oh, he's a great guy. The guys who don't talk and lose, oh, he's terrible. The guy who, you know, talks and wins, he's great. So that's usually how it goes. But You figured that out at a very young age. Uh, man, it is what it is. <laughs> it's I all mean, about the wins and losses. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. To pivot to the player who could determine wins and losses for years to come here in Indianapolis, it's Anthony Richardson. And so we don't have to go too deep into it. Obviously, the fans know with our reporting what's been going on with him, and we've been around as much as we can. But what have been your first impressions of this young man who obviously has a lot on his shoulders becoming the new face of the franchise? I think he's been, you know, based on what I've seen, and it's not nearly as much as what you've seen in the other reporters. I just kind of parachute in and out. But <laughs> he looks boomer bust to me. I mean, I'll look over and he'll be making these amazing throws and the ball just spins out of his hand and it's a beautiful thing to to witness. And then he can't hit the broad side of a barn. And I just think he's got a lot of work to do in his footwork, in the fundamentals, you know, once they get that squared away, you know, I think he's a smart kid. I think he'll figure out the offense, you know, soon enough. But it's interesting to note that just today, earlier today, Carolina Panthers announced that uh, Bryce Young is their number one guy. And I, I don't think that's going to happen here for quite some time. A, I think Steichen wants to play it that way. And, and I, I think, in all honesty, you know, this is going to be a pretty good competition. Uh I've made made it clear, you know, in some columns that, you know, if he doesn't start the first three, four games, it's not going to hurt my feelings. You know, I mean, it's not about wins and losses this year. It's about getting a quarterback ready for the next 10 years to 10 to 12 years. So if it if it benefits him to sit and watch a little bit, then I'm all for it. If they think he's ready, then go for it. I mean, that would be Really exciting. I mean, fun to watch, just like Andrew Luck's rookie year. It was just so much fun to watch. Now, I don't think he's going to go 11-5 and and put up Andrew Luck numbers, but I just don't see the rush in getting him out there. I think Steichen's going to play this pretty much close to the vest until the end. I'll say this. I would not be shocked if he did start week one. I do think there's a bit of gamesmanship with the way the media days have kind of lined up with us going out there on certain days and – Shane Steichen maybe hinted at it yesterday. He's like, hey, you know, some of the times that you all come, it just happens to fall the day that, you know, Gardner Minshew was taking all the one reps. They're still, they're still splitting reps and things like that. And so maybe there's a little gamesmanship in there, and he doesn't want to just put too much on the plate of Anthony Richardson and have every single throw, everything he does, dissected, even though that's literally what we all do when we're there. It's hard to even keep our eyes on another player because – the guy in the red jersey wearing number five matters so much. And so my impressions of him, I've been at every workout, talking to him, watching every throw that we can. 
I think when he misses, he misses high. That's usually like most of his misses. And I do think that there is a certain level of maturity that he has, maybe because of his life experiences and things like that, that he brings to the table. His, his teammates so far have vouched for that. And it seems like he also has a sense of perfectionist in him. Like he redoes a lot of his throwing mechanics, whether he makes a throw, misses a throw. He's always going over it in his head, being hard on himself. You know, there was a couple of plays where, you know, you see some of the specialness. He had that, you know, beautiful ball to Perryman yesterday. Oh, Perryman, yeah. And I thought, that's why you're a top five pick. Because it was beautiful. It was on the money. You know, he dropped back and flung it, you know, basically 60 yards with ease, dropped it right into the bucket for a touchdown. And Perryman said it himself, only been here a couple of days. And he's like, yeah, the kid that has a, you know, a pretty big arm, you know, he can just flick it and it goes a mile. And so those are the things that are very intriguing. But then, like you said, I've seen some of the just gaps that he needs to grow into when it comes to some of the decision-making. A lot of it yesterday was red, red zone work. So I'm not surprised to see a, a rookie struggling red zone. That makes a lot of sense because the windows get tighter. So you really have to be accurate and in timing and things like that. But then there's a couple of throws where he just misses. And I'm like, all right, that's just a product of you starting 13 games, maybe not having the best mechanics just yet. Cause there was even one to Mo Ali Cox on a short out route that he just missed short. And I'm like, that's a throw you can't miss at any level. And so I've been um, fairly impressed with him. I do think that, again, I wouldn't be surprised he started week one just because I don't know how much we haven't seen on the days we're not there. But like you said, I don't think that there should be some indictment on this kid if he doesn't start week one. Oh, I would absolutely say like not. How late is too late to start him? I think if he starts by week four, that's probably, you know, acceptable. If he doesn't start by then, then I'm like, okay, something is probably not clicking maybe with the playbook or viewing defenses and things like that. What if Gardner Minshew plays out his mind? I think that's something we have to think about. This guy is not a bad quarterback. I, I know right. that. I hear you. You know, I mean, he, he has had a modicum of success pretty much everywhere he's gone, including Jacksonville. And, you know, this is a little bit before your time, but every time Minshew played for Jacksonville against the Colts, he looked like Joe freaking Montana. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I think Minshew is going to make it a little difficult for Anthony to get, get on the field. Now, I mean, look, I don't think they're, it's going to impact when he gets on the field. I just think people are going to say, wait a minute, we're two and two at Gardner Minshew. What, what are we doing here? You mentioned Richardson before. You know what I like about him? He's just got a humility to him. And that one story that came out, apparently, it was a, a rookie dinner, and the guys left the place a complete disaster, and he stayed behind and cleaned it up. That, to me, tells you so much about what, what this kid is made of. Yeah, no, he seems to be pretty uh, humble, pretty real. For our listeners out there who were so excited to uh, have me, I guess, re-encounter him after the combine and <laughs> use the dreaded project word. He hasn't held it against me, but I do think that there's a level of self-awareness there, too. I thought that, you know, the question I asked at the combine maybe wasn't the best way to phrase it. So I phrased it better the second time around. He gave a better answer and he was saying you know, I want to be like Tom Brady. And you hear that from all these rookies. You want, you want to win championships. But then he expanded on it and said, I have to work hard. If that guy can win seven rings, then of course I can work on my game. If he can win as much as he did and still feel like he has to improve, then I can do the same. And so there's a lot on his plate. 
I think that the expectations are through the roof one way or the other because of how unique he is as a player. You know, he has all these, I think Ed Dodds, the assistant general manager for the Colts, said it best. He has blue chip traits, but he doesn't have the blue chip resume. Like, he doesn't have the resume of a Peyton Manning, of an Andrew Luck. He was never a first team, you know, All-American. He was a really just unique. We've never seen a player like him, especially drafted at this position. We've never seen a guy start 13 games and get drafted fifth in the, in, in the, in the league. I mean, I mean, we had Mitchell Trubisky did that. It was a, That's the least amount of starts since Trubisky. He went number two. I mean, the last guy with the completion percentage as low as Richardson's in college to go in the top 10 was Jake Locker. And obviously those Jake are guys Locker, that you don't 54%. want to. 54%. Yeah, you don't want to compare yourself with those guys. Yeah, so but then on the flip side, physically, the comparisons are Lamar, Cam Newton, and, and, and Josh Allen, like those types of players. So there's a lot to dissect, but I would just you know caution our listeners to let them know, like, especially with me, every video I post, whether it's at camp, you know, OTAs, practice for the foreseeable future, and I'll I've tried to do my best to post the good and the bad, you know, it's just, it's not worth it, in my opinion, to uh, get caught up so much on every single little throw and every single little thing. And so, yeah, I think that he's got a lot of upside, a lot of things that he can become. He just won't become them tomorrow, and that's okay. And I think the Colts have done a good job in managing expectations. I think that that should be said, too. You know, the fact they haven't come out and said he's our guy, we, you know, he's going to be the starter week one. I think they're doing a good job of managing expectations, which is really important for a young player. So one guy who is leading that charge, obviously, is Shane Steichen. You had the chance to sit down with him one-on-one. Can you take us behind the scenes? I know the story's been out for a while. I encourage everyone to check it out. But what was it like to just have that guy to yourself for a moment and to kind of hopefully peel back the layers, which seems like underneath is just more football? <laughs> more football. <laughs> Peel back one layer of the onion. More football. Like I said, if you crack open his head, there's a the, the Duke is right there. I mean, the the NFL football is sitting there. So I did this many years ago with with Andrew Luck. I told PR people. I think Conti was there at the time. I said I want to do a story with Andrew Luck about everything but football. I want to know about his music. I want to know about his movies. I want to know about or vacations, blah, blah, blah. And it came out really good. And and Andrew really got into it and I think enjoyed the story. So I thought I would do the same with Shane because he does have the reputation as an all-ball guy. Well, sometimes you go into a story with certain expectations and guys, you know, they really blow you, they blow you away with depth of knowledge about other things. They, you know, they read Tolstoy. They do uh, all these different things. Shane, not so much. You know, I, I'm not saying he's boring. I'm just saying that he's pretty single-minded. He's a good family guy by all accounts. That's very important to him, obviously, like it is for, for all of us. But the only time he got a little interesting was when he talked about the peace that he feels when he's looking at a fly bobbing on the top of the water and how he's able to completely get away from ball when he's fishing out in the streams of Idaho or wherever. But that, my friend, was about it. 
You know, what kind of music do you like? And, and the thing is, I told uh, Conti ahead of time, I said, these are some of the things. Conti wanted to know what kind of things would we be asking because he wants to prepare. And I thought, that's fine. This is not, you know, a gotcha interview, right? And so he was prepared. He still didn't have anything. So that's Shane Steichen. Love him or leave him. But he is a hardcore football guy. He is much more Bill Belichick than he is Tony Dungy. I'll just say that. Yeah, I think that your piece, actually, it was really fun to to kind of dive into his brain and to see what kind of makes him tick. And I feel like the one thing outside of that fishing comment was family. Like, that's the only other thing that seems to kind of light him up. And honestly, it works. And like I said previously, whatever the case may be, if you win, you're going to be loved anyway. But it is funny to kind of see him in this light and potentially grow up in this space because... I do want to remind everyone he's in a unique situation where he's a first-time head coach. He's drafted a quarterback. Who he is right now might not be who he is right. two or three years from now. He's only, what, 37, James? Yeah, he's only 30, 37. 37. I mean, he's he's still, you know, and by my standards, still a kid. <laughs> <laughs> not by my standards because, you know, uh, he has a, a couple kids of his own. I don't, obviously. But I do think that he's in a spot where, you know, he wants to – give as little as possible just to make sure that he doesn't do anything wrong, which I don't blame him. He doesn't work for us, but I do expect at some point, especially when like the quarterback position is more solidified and it might not even be this season, whether Anthony Richardson starts week one or week three or whatever, when it's more secure, and you know, you have a guy, I think he'll be more secure like any coach would be because it's hard to just talk about simple things right now because you just don't know Everything's if up in the air. Too, exactly. If you say too much, and again, you made a very good point earlier about managing expectations. I think that they have done a great job and a better job of that this season than in years past. Like this season, it seems like they understand that it's going to be um, some growing pains. There's going to be some long-term steps you have to take. Now, it doesn't help when your owner comes out and calls you super, superhero. <laughs> superhero. So I was just going to interrupt you and say, well, they've done a really good job of managing expectations, except for Jim. Jim can't help himself. He's the king of hyperbole. Well, I'll tell you what. I enjoy the enthusiasm he brings to this. And people always ask us about covering him. And obviously, there is a lot that comes with that because he comments on everything. It's very unique. And you I, you actually can relate to this, having covered the Pacers and then covering the, the Colts. The owners couldn't be more different. You never hear from Herb Simon. He talks to the media maybe once a year in a closed interview. Right. And then with Jim Mercer, he's tweeting out practice schedules and, you know, uh, you know, videos after games and things like that. So he's excited about what's to come. I do think he should be. But I guess the next step as we get ready to close here is I want to hear from Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer, whenever we get the chance to, I don't know when that chance will be about what's next for Isaiah Rogers Sr. and what it means for this franchise. Obviously, they won't say much of anything until this all kind of comes to a close and the NFL reveals its findings. But when they do, then I think that it has to happen. Like, your GM has to talk. Your owner, if it is an owner like Jim Irsay who talks for everything else, they have to speak about this because even though it's not their fault, I don't think, you know, there's plenty of players on the team that follow the rules. I mean, again, this is all alleged, but there has to be something you say or do or change to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And you're not in a situation where 
they're like the Lions, where you got guys, it seems like every couple of weeks, popping up in these uh, investigations. It's important, like David Thornton, who I'm sure you've gotten to know, is is very important in these kinds of situations because he, he helps the players handle their personal affairs. And so I think uh, he's going to have a big impact here. Yeah, it would be nice if Ballard talks. I think he will once they, they release him. I don't think there's any question that they're going to release Isaiah Rogers. If it turns out that he was, in fact, gambling on his own team, Boy, it's hard to keep that guy around. It just is. You know, even if he was betting on him to win, it stinks. It stinks at the head. So I'll say this. Make sure you continue to follow our work at The Athletic. You can follow Bob Kravitz on Twitter at B Kravitz. I'm obviously Romeoville Kid. We'll have much more on the Isaiah Rogers topic and the gambling investigation, what it means for the team this season right now, long term, things of that nature. And, um, you know, I got some things up my sleeve for next week as well. But we'll be out there for, I believe, veteran minicamp, you know, starting up next Tuesday through Thursday. So we'll see more of the Colts. We just haven't seen much of them. There has been one day a week that we've been able to go. So there's a lot more to come. I'm sure a lot more to just dive into when it comes to that topic, but also the biggest topic of the offseason, which will remain Anthony Richardson. I got a comment the other day, Bob, one of my stories, and it's like, Gosh, are you guys going to write about every single thing Anthony Richardson does? And I'm like, yes. 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 I saw in Denver with with uh, John Elway, with the, with the, the newspaper where they're, they were literally fighting over who would be first with what he had for lunch. <laughs> Just the way it is. Maybe that'll be my next question, Anthony Richardson. What did you have for lunch? I'm James Boyd. That's Bob Kravitz. This is The Upper Quartile. We'll be back to talk to you all soon. But uh, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we'll uh, catch up with you guys next time.